0: Today's sermon text is taken from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. I'm reading from the New International Version, if you want to follow along with me. That's Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Let's pray. O Lord in heaven, we humble ourselves before you and acknowledge, God, that you are alive and well and working in and around us. And, oh, Lord, we want to be a part of the great things that you are doing. We want to be strong for the task at hand. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us through this message and through these words of Scripture. We're listening. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, today is Thursday, April 30th, and I can predict a question that you are probably asking yourself, and that's this. Are we ready? Are we ready? Are we ready to open the economy? It's already opening a little bit in Georgia. We have no cure for the virus. Are we ready? My friend posted on Facebook, are we ready to begin thinning the herd in order to develop herd immunity? Are we ready? People have been asking the church they've been calling and sending emails are we ready to have worship service in the auditorium are we prepared well if the standard is nine people for every 500 square feet I don't know when we're going to be ready sports teams are being asked are you going to be ready for when the season begins are you going to be ready for the start of the football season with a shortened off season? Are you going to be ready to host fans and have social distancing? Are you going to be ready? And by the way, how do you tackle somebody and maintain a six-foot social distance? Are we ready? I find that question interesting because we live in a society where we have some of the best medical professionals, best researchers, best facilities, best protective equipment than anywhere else in the world. And when it comes to this virus, we ask ourselves, are we ready? Well, if that's a complicated answer for us, which I think it is, probably based on who we are and what our profession is, what our age is, if we have underlying health conditions, if we have family members with underlying health conditions, That's a complicated question. If it's complicated for us, imagine how complicated it was for the early church, for these disciples who just received from Jesus the great commission to establish the kingdom of God and to go into all the world preaching. Many of these men had barely been out of their hometowns. How daunting of a task it would be. I wonder if they considered themselves to be ready was just three years of following Jesus and with 40 days of an appearance after his resurrection, did they think of themselves as being ready? Well, what I want to tell you today is that readiness is not based on our own intellectual abilities or our skill sets, but for a Christian, readiness is based on God, God's ability to work in and through and among us. It's based on our relationship with God. Success is based on our obedience and God's operating through us. Jesus would say to the disciples and Mark, don't worry about what you're going to say. This is in reference to being arrested and placed before kings and officials. You just say what is given to you at the time because it's not you that's doing the speaking, but it's the Holy Spirit who speaks. And so that's my one key lesson for you today. The thing that I want you to remember after this message is over is this. Don't take yourself so seriously. God empowers us with his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit affects what we say and how we pray and even the character that we exhibit. So put your emphasis on God rather than on yourself. We all know if you're going to wait until you are completely ready, then you better be prepared to never get married because you're not going to be completely ready for marriage. And furthermore, don't ever plan on having kids because you are never going to be ready to have kids. And most professions say that They are continuing to learn on the job. Doctors say they continue to see something every day that they had never seen before. And certainly don't work in the church because there's nothing that can prepare you for the church. You see, most things in life are things that we learn as we go and as God leads us. We can never be fully prepared, never ready. The person who says, oh, oh marriage is going to come easy for me. Or the couple that says, oh, when we have kids, raising our kids is going to be no problem at all for us. They're either naive or deceived. There are some things that are just too big, too grand. You could never be ready. But fortunately, it's not about us. It's about God working through us. And that's a reason that God gives us the Holy Spirit's God gives us the spirit which empowers us to be strong for the task at hand. God's spirit works through us despite our weakness. Actually, instead, even more because of our weakness. That was the case for the disciples. In the early church, they had limited experience, very limited education. And right away, after the ascension of Jesus, they had to handle several huge dilemmas. One dilemma was replacing Judas to make their number 12. Another dilemma early on was the feeding of the widows. Some of the widows were being overlooked in the distribution of bread. Another issue they had to deal with was how to include the foreigners, the Gentiles, into the early church. When the Jews considered them to be ritually unclean and disgusting, how do you have a church when some church members despise others? And even in a larger sense, the the disciples had to figure out how do we obey the local authorities, which Jesus told them to obey the authorities, and yet obey God first? See, they were not prepared for these huge issues. They were not ready, but God empowered them. By the power of the Holy Spirit, God worked in them. And that same God and that same Spirit will empower us and work in us. God will do the same if we turn to him. In the case of selecting a disciple to replace Judas, they turned it over to chance. They cast lots but they just trusted that God would work amidst that chance. When it came to the widows, they created a new layer of leadership. Uh, People called servants or also called deacons that would handle that so that the apostles could devote themselves to the word and to prayer. And when it came to trying to assimilate Gentiles and Jews together. They asked the Gentiles to make some compromises, to not eat meat with blood in it, which was disgusting to Jews. But they also recognized that these Gentiles would be full members of God's family without having to obey much of the Old Testament law. They navigated these things by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when it came to obeying civil authorities, it wasn't consistent In one case, Peter and John escaped a prison by the power of an angel. But in another case, Paul and Silas refused to escape even though an earthquake had freed them so that they could be a testimony to the Philippian jailer who ultimately gave his life to Christ. You see, there's just too much unknown to be fully ready. And that's why we have to have a relationship with God and the Spirit will help us. I don't know if you realize this, but Christians have this promise that God will give us the capacity each day to navigate whatever confronts us. Non-Christians don't have that promise. They can hope that they're strong for the task at hand. But a Christian knows that God is right there with them. We know that nothing can separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus. We also know that God can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. So listen, don't take yourself so seriously. God empowers us with his own spirit, which helps us us in what we say and how we pray and even in the character we exhibit. So put your emphasis on God rather than on yourself. And certainly, don't fear death. As if God hasn't already numbered our days. If we really believe that God has gone to heaven to prepare a place for us, then we probably should know that God knows when that place is going to be occupied. There's not going to be any accidents on God's watch, no unfortunate issues of bad luck God's not off in some other universe chasing down a lost star but instead God is our loving father who wants to hear from us and so we don't have to live in fear what a great gift we've been given the spirit the confidence that God is going to make us strong for the task at hand God empowers us to do his will And that's the gift of the Spirit in verses 4 and 5. Are we ready? There's another thing that the Spirit gives us that many people wrongly think comes naturally, and that's this fruit. Notice that I did not say fruits, plural, but instead fruit, because it's a singular thing. I'm going to call it a fruit, but when I read the list to you, it really reads more like a list of noble characters or virtues. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, all of those things come from the Holy Spirit. And they're all one and the same fruit. I mean, they are different things the way we think of them, but what I'm trying to tell you is... As a spiritual gift, they're all one thing. Now, this is really not as complicated as it might seem. If you've ever told your child that you love them, and you mean it, you love them, the word love really does not encompass what it is that you're going to do or be for them. When you say you love your child, that also means that you're going to teach them. I don't know, for instance, let's make believe like some kind of pandemic hit the country and schools were closed. And as a parent, you would take on the responsibility of homeschooling your child if the event ever happens because you love them. That involves teaching. It also involves making sure that they eat the right foods and don't eat the wrong foods because kids don't always make the best choice as to what they eat or when they eat. And so part of your love for your child involves being their nutritional guardian or expert. It means that you love them the, to the extent that you're going to raise them in a Christian home and raise them to follow Christ because that's your first duty as a parent having children. You see, love, that one word, means so much more. I was actually raised by a family that extended that love to corporal punishment or Spanking. My dad would sit down before he spanked us and said, listen, I'm only doing this because I love you. That word love means so much more than the simple word of love. And that's the case. There's a difference between the fruit of the spirit, which are these nine characteristics, and these nine ethical behaviors that a person can develop whether they're a Christian or not. When I was five years old, Jason Blazing sat on my head in the snow. And so I got in my very first fight and I was sent to the principal's office. Mr. Cook asked us what happened and why we were fighting. And I told him what I thought was the true story. And I added in there, and I'm telling you the truth, Mr. Cook, because I'm a Christian and I don't lie. Like Jason to which Jason said hey you don't have to be a Christian to tell the truth and Jason is right you don't have to be a Christian to do any of these nine things but a Christian receives a gift that resembles all nine it's a gift from God not something that we should boast about as if we've developed them because they derive from God So perhaps we have a a special capacity for kindness, for instance. We shouldn't boast and say, well, look at me, Uh, look how kind I am, look how mature my kindness is, but instead we should say, thank you, God, for giving me the capacity to be kind because it's a gift, a gift from God, a gift from God's Spirit. You see, because we have the Holy Spirit who resides in us, I'm talking about Christians now, we can exhibit these nine characteristics in remarkable, miraculous ways that go far beyond our capacity to develop them. Because the Spirit, we can love even our enemies. Because the Spirit, we can experience joy even amidst suffering. Listen to this one. Because of God, we can have peace that passes understanding that in itself implies something that we cannot do. It passes understanding, and yet we can have that kind of peace. Because of the Spirit, we can have patience, even when prayers go unanswered, because we know that God's will is good all the time. Because of the Spirit, we can have kindness, even when the world greets us with anger. Because of the Spirit, we can exhibit goodness, even when we have nothing left to give. Because of the Spirit, we can be faithful, even in a world that always seems to break its promises. Because of the Spirit, we can demonstrate gentleness. Even when people around us devour one another in order to get ahead. And because of the Spirit, we can have self-control. Even though everybody around us says, Hey, indulge yourself. Go for it. We will never, ever be ready to exhibit these nine Character traits on our own. I mean if we if we really work hard, we can probably improve a couple of them But there's really just too many unknown factors too many things happen in life But it's a gift from God. It's the spirit who gives us this one fruit that exhibits all nine characteristics What a great gift Hey Don't take yourself so seriously. God empowers us with this Holy Spirit who shows us what to say and how to pray and even the kind of character we exhibit. So let's put our emphasis on God rather than on ourselves. Well, at the end of this story, I I think the angels are being a little bit harsh here. They say, hey, men of Galilee, uh, why do you stand there looking up into the sky? I mean, It's not every day that somebody floats into the clouds, right? I mean, even back then they knew that what goes up must come down. I can't hardly blame them. If I were there, I think I would be staring into the sky too. But I don't think the angels were scolding the disciples for looking into the sky too long. I think what they were trying to say to them is, listen, Jesus is going to return from heaven just in the same way as you saw him go. But you need to get busy in the meantime. There's work to be done. Oh, there's work to be fr- done. There's work to be done. Christians, don't let this pandemic isolate you from doing work. Don't become inactive. Don't spend your days looking in the sky or glued to social media. But get Busy putting emphasis on what God is doing and ask yourself, what is God doing in me? See, there's work to be done, even while we practice good social distancing. No, you're not ready. We're not ready. In fact, we're never going to be ready. But God has provided us His Spirit and His power to be strong for the task at hand. Don't take yourself so seriously. Look to God. Follow God. He's never going to lead you wrong, and you're going to be ready. For whatever comes our way, with God, you're going to be ready. In fact, you're going to do well because God will assure it. Let's pray.